Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers. Creatures of the Night. Hello, darlings. Yes, of course we have a reservation. The name is Boulay. We will be checking in this evening for an extended stay because we plan on never checking out of the haunted hotel. <laughs> Hello, uglies, and welcome to the newest post-mortem episode of the Boulay Brothers Dragula, Season 5, Episode 3, The Haunted Hotel. Joining me now, as always, is my sister in darkness, Drac Morda. Drac Morda, how are we today? I'm great. Oh my, are I'm you lo- waiting for your on-ramp? Here well, I don't it is. know. You had you some speech ready. I was like, when am I coming in? <laughs> Late check-in, late check-in. <laughs> late check-in. <laughs> uh, extended stay, late check-in. I wore them. You'd be coming in late. I'm here, and I love the Haunted Hotel theme. I'm so excited to talk about this episode. Me too. I don't like to show the episode to anybody now. I'm like, I don't want to hear what you think about it. What do you mean? Even I, the fans? Yeah, I don't want them to see it. I want to just put it on the server and hide it and <laughs> just watch it every once in a while when I'm in the mood. <laughs> don't talk about my masterpiece. Oh my God, yes. Oh God, this floor show is a masterpiece. I love, with a capital L, love this floor show. Even though I know I said last week, Trash Can Children was one of my favorite floor shows of the season, legitimately, The Haunted Hotel is actually maybe my favorite. Me too. Of me too. And everyone seems to be loving the episode so far, which makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Something I wanted to talk about from last episode is jk okay because we brought jk back on episode two right and it's funny to see the reaction to it because at first i felt like on episode one at the end people were like well and this is some people you know i don't know (laughs) it went from like oh it's sad that jk went home too i'm not really sure jk should have went home in fact jk shouldn't have went home jk was robbed blah 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 then jk comes back and they're like i can't believe that they brought back jk I can't believe it. This means like, no, it doesn't matter who's, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you can't win. You cannot win. But I think, obviously, it was a good idea that we brought back JK, as you'll learn from watching this episode. Yeah. And something I think people forget, it's our show. I know. We do what we want. Just trust us, okay? <laughs> We're here to entertain you yeah. and to make an entertaining show. It's not going to be straightforward. You're not going to be able to guess what happens, and that's why it's entertaining. If you're not excited about this crazy horror drag roller coaster we've created, just unlatch your safety device and jump off the side because this ain't the ride for you. <laughs> Wait until we're about to go upside down and unhook yourself. Exactly. <laughs> but do it in a way so that as you're dropping, when the cart comes back around, we yeah, run you over. Yeah. And it's like splat. You Love know? it. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. One other thing I wanted to talk about, too, from our last postmortem before we go into the next one is the rumors regarding who was 
the 12th contestant. Oh, right. Right. Because right? I heard some stuff in the office that I was like, I mean, crazy Wild. stuff that I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? I just want to put it out there for everybody. None of what you're hearing online, if what I'm being told is really what's out there. None of that is real. The yeah. The real story is very simple and not dramatic, unfortunately. I wish it was dramatic, but it's not. And you would never guess who the person is, but I will give you one more clue. It's someone who has been on TV before. That's Ooh, all that I that's will say. That's a spicy clue. But that's all I'm going to say. That's a shady thing to say, bitch. <laughs> 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 giving you a little Cynthia doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one thing that we did this week in the time between episodes two and three is we actually kind of got together with different groups of friends and watched the episode. Which I don't Which, always like to do. No, I don't like to do it either because, you know, what? at this stage of the game, when we're in post-production, like we've seen the episode more times than anyone would ever, the biggest fan yeah. would ever watch. When they're like, I watched this episode eight times, I'm like, congratulations, Diva. I watched it 800 times before it even aired. You're like Satana <laughs> and JK. I watched it 10. I watched it 12. I'll do it 11. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it says a lot too because we were like, yes, let's go to, you know, this person's house and watch with all these people. Then the next night we were like, oh, let's go to this person's house and watch with all of these people. I think it's testament to how much we actually really love this season and mm -hmm. how good it is. And it's been so fun to watch people's reactions because people are really taking the signals from the show and like from the editing and the personalities, whatever it is, the looks like people are really excited about it. And it brings me kind of like a special little joy when I see that in audiences. I agree. We used to go to viewing parties back in the day, like in drag and kind of, and host them every once in a while and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe it could be fun to do that again down the road, but not this year. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't want anyone to watch it. <laughs> I do. I want them all to watch it, but you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, it's your baby, right? Like you want everyone to watch it and everyone to have feedback, but at the same time you don't. Right. You know? You're only allowed to tell me how smart, beautiful, and talented my baby is. Well, it's if the, you have something else to say, just keep it to yourself. It's the details <laughs> of stuff that I always get amazed that people catch. It's like, you know, like something big and dramatic will happen on that episode. Mm -hmm. But like suddenly there'll be like 300 people talking about like a light bulb in the boudoir or something like it's just weird to me, like what sticks with people. But it's the same thing happens on Housewives. I told you the other day there was like some giant dramatic episode and no one was talking about what the drama they were talking about that this lady's stove was too small in her and they were going off of it. why is her stove so small what could it be <laughs> that drives me up a wall how <laughs> it sparks right it sparks like a little fire and then comments are like there's like a million it's crazy i mean people love the show and that's why we put it out there so good i'm glad people are talking about it it just means they're fans and they're enjoying it so i'm glad that they're seeing it and talking about it and they're that invested in an eyelash. <laughs> Same. Ooh, and on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will be diving into episode three of season five of the Blade Brothers Dragula, The Haunted Hotel. We are back. Welcome, everyone, back to the lobby of the Haunted Hotel. I see we have a very late check-in joining us right now. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't understand. The elevator wasn't moving, and I had to grab all the bags, and I also I raided the mini bar, and then, you know, the, the, the housekeeping was there, but, but I'm here. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Greetings. I was wondering why you requested that weird room in the basement that only has, like, a little twin-sized bed. Yeah, wait. the one right next to the laboratory. <laughs> oh, wait. You're confused as to why I would want that very specific dirty? 
dank room? Ooh, Israel. <laughs> He's like, you know, the lab. Sort for a laboratory. Oh the God. monster. <laughs> <laughs> a very specific type of monster. Yeah. Ogre, if you will. <laughs> the one-eyed snake trouser. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the one-eyed trouser snake. Yes. <laughs> Hello, I am the one-eyed snake trouser. <laughs> All right, we have a lot to talk about, so let's get into this episode. (laughs) I have my my serious viewing goggles on. So we're in the lab and the surviving monsters are there kind of talking about who they think is going to walk in the room next. Like who has survived the trash can children extermination? And I think we get some cute little like foreshadowing here because we're like, look at Orc and Neo having like this little <laughs> oogly boogly moment with their Oh my <laughs> God. It's really cute. It's super cute. It almost gives me my own sort of emotional extermination challenge though. I'm like, oh my God, no, wait. Another love triangle. Just keep between the two of you. Just right. the two Seriously, no triangles. Yes. <laughs> two points, a straight line connecting. We're not adding a third point here. No one wants it. Stay tuned. <laughs> Nobody wants it. <laughs> oh. I will say I love the double muck mouth of the two of them. <laughs> Orgotic has this just grime on his teeth during his oh, talking at confessionals, yeah. and Neo is adorned with these red jewels. I'm like, <laughs> y'all are grody together, and I love it. Well, I mean, imagine if they were combined. So you had the brown Ooh. gross teeth with jewels on it. Yeah. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> Sounds like my late checkout. <laughs> People were talking about Orgotic's teeth, and yeah. whether that was on purpose or not, which is hysterical <laughs> to me. They're like, oh sister came on TV with a literal decayed yuck mouth. Like yes. she, yeah, she came on with like piss yellow teeth. No, this is something that Orgotic puts on for the specifics of like their styling to be gross. Yeah, exactly. Well, he he fought somebody. I saw him in an argument with someone online, and he was like, "Uh oh, the dental Karens are." <laughs> Yay! Oh my god, yes, Orgonic, get her, Jade. Oh, I love it. I was like, rule number one, don't fight people on the internet. <laughs> oh, this was reminding me of Ian's comment about like Coco's tweet this morning. Oh, <laughs> what is good, uh, Coco tweeted after the release of episode two, she goes... Good morning, drag experts. <laughs> <laughs> Just unprompted and unexplained, but it no says context. everything. Totally. It's my favorite thing about the show is, what's well, my favorite thing about air quotes, fans of the show, where suddenly everyone went to drag school. Everyone is mm-hmm. the number one drag artist in their town. They've been on TV and just bring it on. I never understand their criteria for judging, right? Oh, because it changes so well, rapidly. People on the show are so different. Like, they will critique someone's like pads, right? But then they're totally cool with Orgotic, who doesn't wear a stitch of makeup, mm-hmm. no sh- nothing, and they're okay with that. It's like, why well, it's doesn't she all have drag to wear? Is valid. Well, that but that's the thing. So <laughs> is it or is it not? Oh, it, yeah. That's the weird part of it, right? It's like they yeah. allow some things and some things they don't. It's very particular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are in episode three, and I think this is the point where competitors are starting to feel the pressure, right? Like yeah. people are going home, and you've been working hard now for probably a couple of weeks between the promo and everything yeah. else. And they decide to let out like a primal scream, which I think is like kind of yeah. fun. And everybody just like lets it out. Why is everybody always scream? I don't understand that. That happened on season four. It's a release. I think it's, it's, it's like a release. It's, it's spooky. Yeah. It's a, you know, horror drag. Ah! Yeah. Boofy. <laughs> oh, I do love that the primal scream summons <laughs> Cynthia Dahl oh, from the yeah, darkness. I who, love it. This sound doesn't sound like <laughs> it. The sound Cynthia emits doesn't oh. seem like it could come from a human. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So Cynthia oh, comes in with her speech, which oh, I yeah. live. Guns blazing, oh. like double barrel, double fisted. Everybody's wig is like kind of blown back a few inches. They're like, what is happening? How many Red Bulls did she drink before she came in there? Oh, the entire stock of them. Oh, what they don't God. understand, and I don't think the cast understood this because this is only the third episode. Few of them had been up for extermination at that point. They learn that they did not go home oh, about yeah. five minutes before they walk into that room. Yeah. Literally, so five that's minutes. a little BTS for fans to know. It wasn't like that every season. It was sure. not. That's, that's the way we decided to do it this season. And there's like an intensity and also like a reality to you've just been saved into that room. Right. You know, we really want to try to preserve as much of the reality as possible. So they really do not know who went home until five minutes before they walk into that room on a completely different day. So. You know, I think that's why she was probably as hyped as she was compared to when people normally come in. All the reactions are 100% genuine at that point. Like, yeah. it, it reminds me, we're on episode three, but when <laughs> Satana's face crack happens, when JK walks out, <laughs> I'm like, this is why we do this. This is real. It's yeah. hard to do. It's hard. I think a lot of reality shows have to fake that because mm -hmm. of just the mechanics of production. But I am a stickler. I'm like, I yeah. do not want them to know everything. Like, keep people in separate parts of the building and all that. So yeah. you're seeing their natural reaction. So I think everyone uh, was a little blown back. <laughs> yeah. But I think universally, everyone was very excited to see Cynthia return yeah. Yeah, to the cast. Much. And she's four or five, still alive. And we get our challenge issuing. And this one is really interesting because it is kind of chock full of surprises and twists. Oh, and little foreshadowing nuggets for the future, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the challenge is so cool. The Haunted Hotel. And this is a challenge we wanted to do for a couple of seasons. Yeah. And it just seemed to fit perfectly into season five's list of challenges. But we also talk about that there's going to be a lip sync. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people probably thought it would be a joke. Like, our favorite song from 1913. <laughs> but it literally <laughs> it is, is our favorite yeah. song. We, how long have we loved this song? A long time. If you're going to be a guest at the Haunted Hotel, you're going to do music from that time period. So. Yeah. And then Coco, first time our yeah. exorcister, yes. Coco has arrived. So we crowned Coco as the exorcister of Dragula on the tour. But obviously people who are watching the show were not all at that tour stop or did not see that online. So they're mm -hmm. being introduced to Coco as the exorcister for the first time. So what does exorcister mean? I think this is up for interpretation, but for us, it's almost our version in a way of the miscongeniality, like a person with personality who has made such an impact on the show that we almost see them as an extension of the Boulay Manor staff, like yeah, someone mm -hmm. who is in our family that we might see once, twice, maybe even more like season after season and embrace into the family. Yeah, I think so too. It's someone that had just a massive impact on the show. They didn't snatch the crown in their season, but Coco's been there multiple seasons and the fabric of Coco sort of woven into the Dragula mythos now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what a good job she did. Like, oh so with God, the look, yeah. like, it was like, style yourself, do what you want. You know, we trusted yeah. what, what she wanted Trust to do a big thing. and what she wanted to say. And that can be intimidating because all of it was, you know, kind of improv and self-scripted. And I thought Coco did a tremendous job. Yeah. yeah. And Coco is incredible. And I even think about coming off of Titans and going on tour and Coco literally and we've talked about this before on the podcast on tour would build new looks and new wigs every oh my night every night at the meet and greet would have a mm -hmm. different look different wig styled <laughs> she would come on the tour bus and style it up and everything it was so impressive yeah i love the coco did that because it was amazing for the fans but also it was kind of amazing just sort of if there's the secret show that gets filmed just through our eyes <laughs> totally just the way that everyone i'll say would just react to oh what's coco doing 
making a brand new wig. What are you doing? Sleeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love. She looked amazing on this episode. She yeah, did that really even good. on season four after she was exterminated. She would be on set in the workroom on days off and stuff, just making mm-hmm. full ass outfits out of nothing. Oh, yeah. So incredible. So that's why Coco deserves to be the extra sister of Dragula. Exactly. And we're running a game of chance here to see who will get our haunted hotel room key upgrade. And that key has a lot of power. I mean, the face cracks when we were issuing the challenge and people, oh, you could save yourself. Amazing. Oh, you could save somebody else. Wow. Interesting. Or put someone up for extermination. And they were in the ground. They were like, oh, my God, I could be targeted (laughs) even if I do great. And like, what a deadly twist. Totally. And Coco, who probably might be the only person that I would allow to boss Israel around, sort of the way that we do, because I was rewatching the episode, <laughs> like, Israel, and like called him out yes. and he like wheeled out the keys. And I'm like, that's correct. Totally, totally. And Israel looked good. Yes, a little, he did. Uh, little snack for the fans. Oh, Ian would boss them around sometimes, but then they would just start bossing each other around and it started to get weird. <laughs> Israel and I have a new appreciation for each other. I feel as though it's best when I give Israel what she wants and what she needs and what she wants and needs is just you know just pat her on the titties a little bit tell her she looks nice and she does i'm like israel no more claws love you sis 100 mm-hmm. percent. right right well we had one lucky ghost with the most on this fright feet challenge and jarvis ends up winning the upgrade key and we'll see how that comes into play a little later yes i love when jarvis gets the key and immediately blackberry is like hey jarvis my good pal my friend i'm like do you need anything? Yeah, do you need anything? Like, <laughs> Anna's like giving side eyes. I love it. I'm like Blackberry to me is like the sleeper comedian so far. I love it. Yeah, because Blackberry seems super preoccupied that Jarvis might, and I was like, why? What are we not? Well, seeing? she was all paranoid about the porta potty too. Like yeah. it was like that porta potty is like getting to me, girl. Like I need room. Like she was like really sweating through it. It's interesting because you know we talked last episode about the game that gets played, and everyone plays the game differently. And I think that Blackberry maybe is looking at this like, I know what I can do. I know what I can deliver. And I don't want to get knocked down a peg because someone else is playing the metagame. And it's smart. And I think that the way that she does it is fucking hysterical. I don't know. I think if I was competing on the show, I would want to get all those things. And I would want to just like cause chaos. You know, I would want to do things. I would want to just keep it interesting because I would feel unsafe when it's safe because when it's safe Mm, you sort of can predict you're like this person's strong you can kind of almost guess where are people gonna place and i would want to mess that up i'd be like i'm gonna just get neo out of the competition today well i think that's what jarvis tried to do like i think it's under the guise of like this is cute carino i love you and like that but i'm like you're trying to gun You're for smart. and yeah. knock out one of the heavy hitters. Yeah. Jarvis is smart, especially after the sort of middle of the road critiques that Jarvis gets in this episode. I think that the way that he played the key, I'm very happy with that. Right. So let's talk about Neo. We learn a little bit more about Neo in this mm-hmm. episode in the workroom. Yeah. She has a moment where she's upset and she's talking about how she talked to her family and everyone's reaction to that. I was very happy to see this on camera and mm-hmm. to see Satana and Fantasia sort of embrace her and talk to her about it and relate to her because I think so many queer people can relate to this moment. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. necessarily that everyone's trans, but 
that the idea that, you know, your family doesn't necessarily know everything or there's a lot of young queer people, I think, that experience that daily. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you're a very special person with a very special like childhood, you grow up under the guise of only like part of yourself showing. You kind of mm-hmm. hide so much of who you actually are. And it isn't until you move away for a lot of people, for me, and discover, oh, th- this is actually I'm going to express myself in all these other ways. And you even discover new stuff about yourself, sometimes late into your teens and your twenties. And sometimes people later and sometimes never, if you end up staying closeted, this crushed me to hear that coming out was so difficult. Cause I know it can be difficult for mm-hmm. people. I was very scared when I did it, but that Neo regrets it. Yeah. That part just really kind of put a knife in my heart. I felt like that a little when I came out when I was younger and people would always be like, you have to come out. It's such a great moment. And you'd see all this yeah. propaganda, remember, back in the day. <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's true. My gut tells me no, but maybe it's true. <laughs> and I did it. And I was like, I was talking to Swan about it at the time because we knew each other then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was the stupidest thing I ever did. <laughs> I was like, that was a hot mess. I was like, you lied. It was not embracing. No, 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 I'll own it. You lied. Look, okay, look, you know, the day before, I was like, you really need to do this. <laughs> it was I'm bad. like, you'll feel better. It was bad. But look Remember, at, and how is it now? Well, now it's good, but it's like, yeah, exactly. You're right. But at the time, I mean, I come from a very different family. And I can relate to Neo a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm a traditional Chinese family. <laughs> Clearly I'm not. Wait, you're not? I'm not coming out of the closet <laughs> second time. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you know, it was, it was very like, you know, my family did not, they just no. But with Neo, I think this is even more interesting. The cultural differences yeah. because it is very true. I have a lot of Chinese friends And I know what their families are like and what their beliefs are like. Mm -hmm. And even if they sort of accept you, and this isn't universal, I want to put this out there, but they ain't going to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. They will tolerate your ass and they will be warm to you, but they don't want to know the details. That's why I really appreciated the way that Fantasia sort of took that conversation. Because I think Fantasia's insight is you have to do what is best for you. Because I think that Fantasia also knows, you know, coming from her own background, that your family, they may not be happy, they may not like it, but ultimately you have to do what is best for you. She talks about, you know, people are telling me, don't get your tits done, don't get this done, but look at where I am now. And I think, yes, maybe Fantasia is a little bit of the swan being like, yeah, girl, just do it. (laughs) But yeah, I think what you said is true. There's so much now of kids being like, oh, just come out, everyone come out. And I'm like, you don't have Asian parents. right? You don't have Asian grandparents. Like you just don't know. It's very true. But I will say this, and this is something that develops in the future, but it's something to think about with Neo as a performer in the public space. She doesn't know yet how much that is actually affecting her. Yeah. And it is affecting her. But in this moment, she doesn't realize that. Us being like sl- a little older than Slight, her. a couple just years. Just a few years. I mean, well, I'm just like months maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen that with people. And I've seen that, you know, we've been through this on the show with people that, you know, are out as queer people. Erica was in a similar position in uh, mm-hmm. season two. And just sort of how it gets to a point where I think it's like, it doesn't matter about your family. It matters about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Fantasia talks about this. And I also love that moment with Fantasia and Satana kind of nurturing Neo. This is a great example of like chosen family. Yeah. Even though they don't know each other very long, we can see common threads between us and they come in and they support where support is needed. But I loved what Fantasia said. Like sometimes you need to step away and out of your family's influence mm-hmm. so that you can like strengthen yourself 
in order to be able to step back into their influence. Because it isn't always the nicest place to be. Like hurtful things are said. You can be made to feel like an alien in your own body and in your own house because of the way you grew up. You know, so you need to really strengthen those barriers so that when you step back towards your family, you can stay who you are without feeling guilt or shame and all the wonderful things they love to put on you. <laughs> but I don't think you can get over that stuff until you embrace it yourself and yeah. blast it out there yeah. and deal with the uncomfortability of it. That's what I believe. Yeah, or put on like a really, really big wig and yes. a ton of makeup and some high heels and just get out there and blast it well, out. Honestly, it's like an X-Man or an X-Woman, an X-Person. I don't know, the Dr. Xavier's school for X-people. Like, you, you have to just come into your power and then you can go visit your family. And if they don't like it, then you just mind blast them to death and just blow them up. I think Neo should go in front of her parents' house <laughs> and put on like that Shangela track. What is it? <laughs> Working Clap professional. She's a professional. With the drop and the wig. Just do that. Damn. And then from there on, it can't get worse. <laughs> right? it, that is the queerest no. thing she could ever do. And then everything after that will seem like more mild. You yeah, know? Well, I think that's that's actually part of the coming out package of 2023. It's just you send your family the track and you just start hallelujah, and then you just bam. But I will say <laughs> we're laughing shit. about this now. But the truth is where Neo is from, and I'm not going to talk too much about. It, I don't want to give away anything. It is not acceptable. It is dangerous. It is actually dangerous. So I feel like people come up. You know, us and our culture ignorantly are like, you should come out, you yeah. should do this, you should do that. It's like sometimes you shouldn't because your ass could get killed, yeah. you know, and it's not safe everywhere. I agree. Yeah. Well, the Neo moment was poignant and powerful, but it wasn't the only moment that we had mm -hmm. in this laboratory section because JK and Throb kind of exit to the cauldron for their own little after school special moment <laughs> as JK put it like let's see what bullshit we're gonna have to deal with right now it's interesting that Throb stepped forward and would sort of be a shoulder for JK I think yeah. I thought that was cool to see him do that Same. you know because I wasn't sure where he was coming from at the end of last episode mm -hmm. it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when he was like don't talk right now I was like yeah. ew I was like, I don't know. Yeah, why that... are you doing that? I know, but I mean, I, I get, understood it. Yeah, I did too. And, and other people, when we watched the episode with other people, they were like, oh, I get it. And I think that. Throb's trying to shield JK a little bit, almost save JK from himself. Yeah. Right? I think there's something triggering just about telling someone not to don't speak. Don't talk. Yeah. yeah totally. It was like, that's a spicy way to put it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and it also, it comes off of Throb's win, which JK sort of brings up and is like, okay, I will take your advice, but you in turn have to take mine, which is. I will be a little less intense, maybe. I'll stop pushing people's buttons, but you have to celebrate yourself. Because that's the thing. Yeah. We all were like, Throb, yeah. you won Who, the challenge. Literally, and they literally shrunk down yeah. and, and knelt behind the couch. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I think they probably know now, the competitors get it now, when I'm like, show us your reality. Mm -hmm. This is what I mean. I don't mean go into the boudoir and fight somebody. That's not what I mean. I mean, show me your vulnerability. Like, because other queer people in the world will see this stuff and relate to it. I think it's interesting that Throb is as hard as they are on themselves and as meticulous with the details, but can't accept the win. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Like, let's talk about that, you know? Yeah. Well, what did you guys think about the whole JK thing in general, right? And when I say the JK thing, I mean this kind of like perceived dogpiling and JK almost being positioned as the target 
maybe from like almost the entirety of the cast. Let's all talk about it. I'm going to start because yeah. I feel kind of strongly about yeah. it. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. And there's nothing missing. There's nothing that's not being shown that would explain, you know, like he did something and we're not showing it and it explains why everybody's not. That didn't happen. Yeah. Like, look, I've lived through Zava, right? Zava will come <laughs> in the room and be like, snipe, snipe, snipe. I'm cutting yep. all your heads off. I'm pissing on your corpse, you know? Yep. And it's funny, but it's like, <laughs> JK's not doing you, that. <laughs> JK's not doing that. So I don't understand the reaction. What do you think, Ian? I think that it is a little bit of that Brooklyn energy we talked about last episode, but it also comes with JK did poorly on episode one. And then, you know, Zava came back in on episode two and had a really triumphant return. And JK sort of has like a middling episode in episode two. And I think that unfortunately it's not really JK, it's everyone else. They sort of see, oh, you were annoying episode one and now you're a target. Everything that he says is sort of like, shut up, shut up. And even Throb is like, oh, he kind of reminds me of my little brother. He does have sort of annoying Calvin kind of energy, which I think it's almost like his passive ability if he's like a World of Warcraft character. Like he sort of brings that to people and it's like, hey, I can push your buttons without even talking to you. Is it that the rest of the cast is so mild at this point in the competition that he seems to peak? Because even though to me he's not doing anything that crazy, maybe with this cast, that's the craziest someone's being? It I could be that. It could be that. There's not a lot of bristling right between the competitors. And mm -hmm. I think JK maybe creates the most friction to the people around them. There's no James majesty or other big character to kind of clash against that. Mm. I think it makes them the most visible. Right. And if you couple that with the idea that like, maybe they didn't do the greatest in episode one, hi, you're up for extermination, or maybe you're showing in episode two. Okay. You were safe, but like you were saying, you know, it's not putting you up in like, okay, you're a threat. Oh, you've proven why you should be here. So you're not only like maybe, performing at a low level you're also kind of annoying you're annoying everybody with your comments so i i kind of get it but i actually think it's unfair you know i think it's Agreed. unfair that everyone is so vocal about it and has to point out like oh i think it should have been jk well guess what bitch you're not the judge there's only Ooh. two people in the bottom and jk is not one of them so the question was posed who do you think should stay and i think taking the opportunity to point their finger at jk was weak I agree with you. I do love this cast, but y'all was foul for that. Mm -hmm. So we have another big personality with Cynthia, who I love Cynthia. Baby, Hamas of the Fungus. She's fun. And Cynthia has sort of aligned herself as a beloved character with the cast. So you have sort of two big personalities. And one of them, not saying this is calculated, but you do have Cynthia sort of on the rise of like, oh, hi, I have lots of friends here. And so then the other big personality is J.K., and I can see weird tectonic plate shifting with that. Yeah. I want to interject too that the cast might say, well, we're prodded to say, who do we think should go home? That is true. You're asked a lot of things on camera as part of the show, but your answer, if you're just picking mm -hmm. the person everyone else is picking, it can be perceived as a little weak. It's easy because you don't really want to pick one of the two people that are up. Because you don't is, want to have static. Right. Is it that dynamic if that several of them talked about, which was like, you're trying to be nice. Yeah. You're mm -hmm. just trying to play nice and nice acuity and not, you know, point your finger at someone who could legitimately go home that night. I don't like that excuse. A producer asked me. Of course they did. <laughs> right. You signed up for a show that you know exactly. We literally tell you a thousand times. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be forced to tell your opinion constantly on camera. So I don't want to hear that excuse. This ever. is the show. This is what we this do. This is what we do. So I think some fucking good TV then. <laughs> <laughs> so we exit that segment and we reveal 
our haunted hats that dropped just absolutely. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about these outfits. Okay, I hate this outfit. <laughs> I hate this outfit so bad. Now listen, oh I don't God. hire stylists. You know, a lot of hosts of shows hire makeup artists and stylists and all that. We don't do that. I do my own makeup every single episode. Period. I no one ever helps period, us with period. it. And our outfits, we design them. We don't make everything. Sometimes we'll pay people to make our designs or whatever. This outfit was a collaboration. Oh, <laughs> okay. big C. An unsuccessful collaboration, in my opinion. I don't know what kind of haunted <laughs> designing women from new orleans person i was supposed to yes, be but yes. i didn't like it and you could probably tell from my mood i didn't like it now i think if i had gotten rid of the hat and put on a wig which i wanted to do maybe that would have fixed it i hated the hat i guess i really hated it, the hat you literally yeah. said in the episode where you're talking about jarvis and their hat and you're like well if my hat would have come off i probably would have been feeling a lot better yeah i would have just been hilarious. bald i would have been like let's do it but, but the makeup was good though i, I thought that the makeup, makeup complemented it really well yeah we don't get to play around with the makeup very much because look we have like an iconic stamp brand yeah especially us as the host we For have sure. to look very similar every right. episode yeah. so we don't get to play around a lot but this one i thought it was fun to play around with the day glow makeup and stuff it was fun yeah i, I like agree. the makeup did not like my hat despite drax's <laughs> disdain for the hat i felt cunty I'm, <laughs> I'm watching the episode and i'm like bitch you look good yeah it wasn't the hat there was supposed to be a hat but i don't know why it was straight up well drax if you want a hat down. you gotta have, have a hat. hat yeah but it was supposed to be laid <laughs> down like, fish. think like a disc on your head like sure. a fashion hat not like what kind of like I don't Martian know forehead telepathic disc helmet thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I would have been up for ex I would have put myself up for extermination oh. for that hat. Well, actually, you might not have had to because our two guest judges who are oh. featuring this episode might have put you up too. And they're both returning judges, people that we've seen before, and our very first reoccurring judge on any season of the show. So we had the lovely Tanana Reeve. I oh, love her. Yes, I love her input. I love her. Same. Her, her the place of kind of like horror knowledge that she comes from and all of the ways that she contributes to the show. And Landon has returned, which I think is great to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Tanana Reeve on a ghost challenge is perfect. It's iconic. Yeah, it is totally. And also Landon and Landon does one of my favorite haunted mansion looks oh, the hat yeah. ghost yeah i love it and he actually was gonna do it on the episode but legal was like can't They're really like, do Whoa. that but i wish it because it's so good i wish yeah. people you know no, go on landon's tonight. instagram and look for it it's really <laughs> cool we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back it's on to the floor show We have returned uglies and on to the Haunted Hotel Floor Show. We did tons of judging. Everybody knows what the feelings were from Tanana Reeve and from Landon and from all of our feelings about the performances. But did you have anything that maybe didn't make the cut or thoughts that you guys had about the show that wasn't shared on the episode? I did only in that I think it's hard to convey a live experience mm -hmm. on TV sometimes. Yeah. So when you see a live performance and you all know that being able to perform is important for us and choosing the next drag super monster, we come from a live performance space. I think sometimes it's hard to get the feelings that you can experience in person when you're watching it on a screen at home, there's charisma and stage presence and all these things that don't translate 
people will tell you that, you know, if they act in a theater versus on a show or a movie, very different experience. So I think that that had a lot to do with our judging and that may be something that people just get confused about. I mean, I just want to take the moment to say, you know, there were so many great looks as there usually are. This season is pretty fantastically stacked, but how talented our performers are. Like our cast is really talented when it comes to what they can do on the stage. It's very hard to judge. This was maybe the hardest floor show so far to judge. And so far they've all been great. Yeah. But this in particular, everyone did well. I mean, honestly, it was nitpicky to decide who was on the bottom and it had to do with performance. And the same with the win. The win was very influenced by the performer and JK Mm -hmm was parading all over that stage. JK ate. He ate. And watching the edit, I feel like y'all have really summed it up in terms of the difficulty of translating a live performance to a edited, filmed, digital space. However, when I watch this floor show back, I'm like, JK won. I think that JK did an amazing job. I love the little trinkets too. Like it just reminds me of James Majesty's look from the Wasteland Weekend. Mm -hmm. Love Mm. some little details like that. And, JK came out swinging. Really proud of him this episode. 100%. It was also a lot about growth. That's part of the show, too. When we give you feedback and you incorporate it, we Mm -hmm. reward that. And I think that that was something also that made JK stick out a little above the rest. I would say if there was a second place, it would have been Throb, for sure. Throb was so close. I thought Throb was so amazing that day Mm -hmm. and i feel like throb has some of the devil's dna because the details were beyond like the bloody red-handed like Mm -hmm. the jacket the spirits i mean just the hair and the face the makeup the teeth i mean the smoke that came out of the collar collar, there were so many elements where i was pulled into this character and absolutely mesmerized but it was that like where in the hotel do you fit in kind of thing. Yeah, I was really happy that both Fantasia and Jarvis got a little bit of commentary because I think, Drac, I think you say it where it's like, it's difficult to be safe because at this stage in the competition, if you're not growing and you're not getting feedback, then it sort of puts you to disadvantage. And I also wanted to give Cynthia a little bit of a shout out because I thought that she did really well too. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that our safe crew this episode, like you said, Swan, Everyone performed at a super high level. Yeah, like, safe was great. safe was like a not I, a dirty like word. This episode. not a dirty word at all because Blackberry gave us so much character. Yeah. Cynthia gave us so much <laughs> drama. Fantasia was giving us those Chantus yeah. vibes. I'm like the staff of our haunted hotel has really filled out. I can imagine this place like yeah. filled with these characters. Yeah, oh, yeah. and oh my god. <laughs> you gave me my favorite comment of the episode ah oh, and i love those fags <laughs> and Jack's like, what the fuck oh my oh my god did i say that but yes. now, now i know what you mean and of course <laughs> referencing blackberry's cigarette box yes not the fags. just the fags uh, i want to talk about people were giving jk hell for the shoes that they chose to wear in that look but I really like them. I thought the color difference really kind of just set off the blue. All the kicking around and the way that he performed with the dance, I, those shoes really kind of like shined out it to did. me. It did. feel like 1920s. Yeah, it did, kinda, right? Yeah. yeah. Wait, because I love that look. I love okay. the shoes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the shoe thing. People need to let it go. Like They're like, this is a biscuit or this is a that. Look, <laughs> honey, there's a lot of different kinds of <sighs> shoes and they're all cool. Like Again, It depends on what you're looking at. The drag experts. Yeah. yeah. Well, there were so many undeniably amazing performances during this floor show 
but JK really shined out and that's yeah. what clinched the win. This was a performance competition. Yeah. JK rose to the occasion. And the judges love JK the most. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. So JK wins and then we move on to Jarvis and the key. And yes. we all know that Jarvis chooses organic very <laughs> proud of you jarvis good move mm-hmm. good out man. of nowhere too i was stunned and impressed i love his delivery i've seen people talk yes and talk no about jarvis's character but i'm here for it. i love a fully realized it's a jarvis it's a disaster arena i love that kind of well i'm going to pick you my brother i just, <laughs> I just love it i love it too i do too oh we should talk about anna actually because yes. anna's performance was actually really good However, the way that she created this performance was the last 25% of it was super entertaining with the gun and all that. And she presented it like it was a theatrical performance in which she was slowly building up to that dramatic Mm -hmm. moment where she shoots herself, which is super impactful. But it made the first 75% of the show kind of lackluster. Drag. It's, no pun intended. It, yeah. it was a little slow. I do think if she performed this on a stage or in a theatrical environment, she would have had the audience in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. But I think for TV, we needed the bombastic storytelling maybe to explode a little bit because you have these characters around you that are bringing it 150% right from the drop. So and I think a risk. she looked beautiful, but I think the stark white, for a ghost, to me, I feel like you yeah. should look a little more aged, like stains some like off whites and browns. And it was something I think Betty suffered from as well in her ghost ship glamour look. It's a little too polished. It's a little too bright mm. and white. You I know? see that, yeah. But somehow Neo's, I think, really works just because the brightness and the whiteness really underlines the bride and it contrasted so well with the blood. So I don't know, a little bit of like. Well, that Neo's wasn't an all white thing, though. Whereas Anna's yeah. was an all white. The feathers were white. The you know everything was white. Skin sure. was white. So I just felt like it was a little. And you didn't see the the red until the reveal of it, which I almost think was a little bit of maybe the opposite of Satana's issue with she, her performance. And she yeah. also didn't have the same kind of slapstick that Neo had, where she had like Charlie Chaplin falling through a painting <laughs> and broke a mirror over. I'm her sure head. Charlie oh, Chaplin right. is what you she know. was going for. Very very so. clear reference. Yeah. <laughs> percent let's contrast Anna's performance with Satana because I think Satana you might be right is a little bit of like the opposite approach which is we've seen this before too even going back to pageants in the club space yeah where someone has a gag and it can be a great gag one in particular comes to mind that we've seen before they're on stage for like five seconds and they go ahead and do the gag real quick and there's it's like Oh my Ooh. God. Just it's like, hold it. Just hold it and build it a little bit. And yeah. then it can really kind of blossom and impact the audience. Satana's. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the Dragula pageant where her drag tried to rip this girl's wig off. <laughs> And it was glued to her. And she got her shit so hard. It was welded <laughs> to her head. And I was like, foot on the shoulder, pulling. <laughs> I was like, come on. It's like a cartoon I let go, and it's like, oh slaps back. Wow. But Satana's performance wasn't bad. You know, mm-hmm. nobody performed poorly in this episode. It's just, I felt that you could sense a lack of confidence in the presentation. It did not feel like she was comfortable on the stage. It didn't feel like she was confident. And it was sort of quiet, you know, like uh, sort of meeker movements, you know? It just wasn't. And when you had someone like JK, like flipping all over the stage and, you know, it just, and who knows? 
Satana, maybe on any other night of the week, would have did a completely different show. It's just on that day, in that particular challenge, her performance wasn't as strong as the other competitors. It's true. And her prop was really interesting because it was a playbill that said, you know, Satana, the Boulay Brothers Haunted Hotel for one night only. Very cool. But it was small and ripped up and thrown so mm-hmm. quickly, like right at the, the, the beginning of the performance. I think tons of people just didn't have a chance to register. What is this? I know the judges cool didn't detail. see it yeah. until later when we reviewed footage because yeah. it was too quick. It happened too quickly, which is certainly a mistake people make as performers. Mm-hmm. Another mistake that's made over and over is assuming that rats love cheese <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know if they do. <laughs> Oh my Note God. to sell. I don't think they do. I feel very betrayed by my whole Aww. upbringing because every time you see a mouse in a cartoon or something, there's a cheese there. So yeah. I assume <laughs> there's well, rats cheese. love cheese. You know, on your behalf, I would like to speak to Mr. Charles Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese yeah. <laughs> themselves. Sitting on a piece of Swiss every time on you a see a throne him. of lies. With the face sticking out of a hole of a Swiss cheese that you hit with a little hammer. You would think that they hadn't been lying to us this whole time, but they have. That's a dairy glory hole, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Now we, and let's just talk about this, like how well the rats were handled and treated just so that everybody knows, like we love animals more than we love people. We've said it before and that still stands true today. The rats were so cute. No rat was harmed in the filming of the extermination. I spent time with the rats. They were cute. I cuddled them. I petted them. And they were very happy. They had fun. And even though they didn't like the cheese, they liked the other treats that I gave them. They were very well fed, I think, as evidenced by all the rat shit all over Anna. (laughs) I guess I should have thought about that before I gave them treats. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the extermination. It's a little little filth. This is an example of like some people get so freaked out by certain things. Like some people are like, oh, rats, they're cute. I have them as pets. And some people are like, oh, my God, are rats on me? I'm going to kill myself. You know, crazy. The same thing <laughs> like jumping off a bridge or a yeah, bug. Like yeah. people just react differently to different stuff. Like that roach on Sigourney from season four oh, yeah. crawling across her. Some people were just like, no. Delete. Oh, or the bed. I would have been the one of them. Bed. Oh. People were so oh, people were so by triggered that. by that. Oh, I love vacuum bed. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I have a vacuum bed evolution for season six. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I feel like it's like good night. It's like yeah, cozy, just, you know. <laughs> Again, you know, that's people will be like, "Well, this wasn't scary or that one." I'm like, yeah, it wasn't scary to you, but the next one yeah. will be. Like, to each their own. Yeah. And some of these exterminations are kind of qualifiers, right? There is no clear, like, air quotes, winner. If you can endure the rats, then you've proven that you are a bad enough bitch to stay. So now we have to take into consideration everything else. Your look, how you are, who you are. Are you competing on the same level as everybody else? That was one of the things that came into play for this extermination and who we decided would go home was their vibe in the cauldron. It's odd. Satana, I felt like the lack of feedback from episode two or how she interpreted the feedback from episode one, I think she decided she was doing very poorly in the competition and kind of gave up. And I'm like, you're not a bummer. You're not doing poorly. Like, and I think when you don't get feedback, your own thought about yourself and how good of a drag artist you are or whatever will come into play. Right. Sure. So mm-hmm. you're like, you're safe. One person's like, yeah, yeah I'm safe. And the other person's like, Oh my God, I suck. I'm Everything dead. I'm doing yeah. is terrible. Yeah. And, and I think she kind of got in her head and just decided she was doing poorly and gave up. You contrast that with Anna mm-hmm. who in the cauldron had a very positive attitude and was like, I get it. 
I'm excited though. I want to be here. I'm going to do this full blast. I'm going to do whatever it takes. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. That comes from experience Mm -hmm. and being a professional drag artist. And I think Anna's just been doing this for a while and like has taken the knocks of hard life. Right. Yes. Yeah. Not to say that Satana hasn't, but I think Anna's been performing longer than Satana has in drag. I think so too. And I loved attacking her with that axe. Oh, oh, the shining, the shining reference. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I that love was that. So yeah, that was amazing. Fun. Yeah. Okay, prime example. Satana was great in that scene. She really was. Oh, Satana yeah. like acted her ass off in that scene. I think it's the pressure of the competition. And Me too. when the pressure is off, you can have fun and you can be yourself and it can be easy. But pressure makes diamonds too. So that's where the winners and like the finalists like really rise to the, I can't to the top. Say it enough times, and I've said it so many times. How you perform on this show is no indication of how strong of a drag artist or not you are. Mm-hmm. It's more like, what does it prove? It proves that when you're in an uncomfortable situation being filmed for many hours a day, you can rise to the occasion. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate when people think, well, they went home second or they went home first and they're terrible. That's not the case, you know? It's, yeah, just, it's just how the challenge landed, how they did that one day. Yeah, it's a risk you take because if you don't take the risk either, you know, you can get a lot from being on shows like this, obviously. There's a huge career you can build for yourself. And if you don't take the risk, you know, sometimes it can sort of not be very rewarding as a professional. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of like responsibility there, right? Like as a contestant and a competitor, you need to realize this is my opportunity my window is open. It will not be open forever. So you need to maximize and really mm-hmm. capitalize on everything. Because some of them get spit out on the other side and they think we should be promoting them for like years and years. Like oh. we are their managers. I've never understood that Me part. Neither. Yep. Like I'm not your PR. PR people get paid a lot of money. Managers, <laughs> PR people, booking agents. They get percentages. I have to pay yeah. all those people yeah. lots of money. Nobody does that for me for free because yeah. I was on their show once. Well, that's it for the Boulay Brothers episode three of season five, The Haunted Hotel. But as promised, we are going to be moving into some listener questions. Ian, would you do the honors? Ooh, I would be honored. This question comes from Luke from the real Terror in the Woods, Appalachia. Happy season five, Boulay's and Ian in parentheses. As the Dark Lord of the Onyx Ondix fan club, I was really interested to hear you discuss in the episode one postmortem how you got a disconnecting image slash brand from Onyx's promo look, entrance look, and floor show creation, and that factored into their placement on the premiere. From your perspective as judges and artists yourselves, how important is it that someone has a consistent image or brand that carries through all presentations of their drag? Is it possible for an artist to be too versatile or have their hands in too many baskets? Respectfully, I feel like I answered this extensively on the show. Like, maybe more than anything I've ever said before. (laughs) I mean, you kind of wrote the book on it. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, I try to speak as clearly as I could about it. Yes, obviously, that's very important. When you're forming a branded TV star, a super monster of Dragula, Mm -hmm. it's important that we can pick you out of a lineup. Yeah, and can you be too versatile? I don't know. I think you can do it the right way and the wrong way. So both can be true. You can be a branded, iconically stamped star who has a variety in the way that they present and what they look like and how they perform. It is important to know what 
this artist is going to deliver. Like Throb said something like that. I know of Onyx's work. They're fun and they're punk and they're cool, but I'm not sure what I'm getting. And I think that's the important question to answer. Maybe if you have a big personality or you're comedic or something like that, that can sort of be your identity and then you just do your looks. And that's fine because your personality is always consistent. So you know, I'm hiring this person. They have a big personality. They're going to crack these kind of jokes and they're going to do some shows. That's okay too. But when you sort of are not giving us either thing, it's like you are being lost. I have no idea who you are. Yeah. Gabe from Nashville asks, with the last episode heavily alluding to Garbage Pail Kids and as an avid collector of those cards, could we hope to someday see a collaborative series with all the monsters past and present? And of course, the Boulets and maybe an atom bomb equivalent of an Ian Rare card? Would love to see it. I would absolutely love to do that. I think it would be a licensing nightmare. (laughs) So cool and so (laughs) impossible. Very doubtful. (laughs) Period. Brad from Boston has a question and an answer from a previous episode. Hello, Boulez and Ian. I have been curious for a few seasons now, but even more so since Cynthia Dole was banished to the Teletubby Toilet Bowl. <laughs> yes, Toilet Bowl. Toilet Bowl. What exactly does it mean when Swan announces, attention competitors, the floor show is about to begin? We often see competitors freaking out mid-makeup, yet they all manage to serve incredible looks on the main stage. How much time elapses between the announcement and the actual start of the floor show? Well, the alarm is real. The alarm kind of lets you know. It doesn't mean you have to immediately go do the floor show. Obviously, there's some time after. But it's like this is sort of like when you're in a theatrical production. This is your warning. That's really what it is. And like for me, if I had to judge it, I would say if the alarm went off, I would be comfortable if I had everything done except for my contacts and my nails and my clothes. Yeah. That's where they should be. So you can tell sometimes someone barely has foundation on. They should be scared. (laughs) Yeah, and sometimes it's just not that serious. We like to see people freaking out. But there is a time. The time (laughs) limit is real. This is the second part. This is the answer to the question from a previous episode. Listener answers. Listener answers, starring Brad. Brad. Also, I've finally caught up on all past episodes of Creatures of the Night, and I have an answer to Drax's question posed on the, oh my god, October 19th, 2022 episode about whether there are obscure Marthas, quote, like a St. Patrick's Day Martha. I can assure you that there is an army of St. Patrick's Day Marthas living in South Boston, and they go wild every March (laughs) with decorations, leprechaun (laughs) costumes, way too much beer, and even green glitter. Absolutely horrifying. I I love love it. Oh, my God. Of course, it's in Boston. I love it. It's so good. I wonder if they serve, like... What is it like corned beef and cabbage? And it's like a whole thing. Yeah. They do green beer too. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, that's true. Actually, weren't we there for some reason? I'm a New England queen, and there were always green beer parties around St. Patrick's Day. What's the most obscure, though? Like Arbor Day. Arbor, no, if there are <laughs> Arbor Day Marthas in California, gotta be somewhere. That's Re- reveal yourselves. Reveal, reveal yourselves. Say their name. Send us the photos and everything. Oh I wanna God. know. <laughs> this question comes from an unnamed person saying, Hello, my glorious mothers of darkness and demon dad. Hello, Aram. I really want to shout out that I love the new killing scenes. Drac lurking around in them big ol' heels. <laughs> what do you mean big ol' heels? <laughs> what do you mean big ol' heels? Well, they love it. So. My 
heels are cute and they're stilettos, honey. <laughs> and them big old, I mean, she really said, them big old Keep chonky. Big old opinions to yourself. Your big old descriptor words. Oh, she does have a question. Question. Are the killing scenes recorded before or after the extermination? Sherry, what do you think? <laughs> How could they be before? How would you even know what they're going to wear? I like the idea that there's two that are filmed. Like, it's like, okay, there's Satana and Anna both filmed the same death scene. Question like, do mark? you think we leave the set of oh, the reality yeah. show, go to another location, film a scripted portion, and then come back and do it? No breaks. That's what we do. You're right. <laughs> in your big old heels. <laughs> and I get in my, my big, big old heels. How, yeah, I get my big old heels. <laughs> and I go back and forth and from set to set. I walk over that set and then I walk back over. No, I get it. If you don't work in TV, like yeah. you probably are curious about stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, and someone else asked about recently about the outfits. This is multi-question. They have another. It says previous seasons, they were in a completely different outfit. So it was safe to assume filmed way before. But this season and some others in parentheses, they're getting killed in the garment that they failed in. Well, yeah. we did that last that has always been the dream, right? That is the continuity sweet spot where they are killed in the outfit that they were exterminated. Well, in. it only makes sense because they of do course. the extermination and then yes. they get killed right after. But TV it. magic is magic and it is definitely like a discipline you must learn. And sometimes it's very expensive. And in other seasons, we could or couldn't do that. But this has always been the way that we want it mm -hmm. to be. The story continues right after the challenge and they are killed in the look that they failed in, as they said. <laughs> <laughs> said. That is brutal. Hey, the re know, sometimes reality is brutal. <laughs> Back in the beginning, I was sometimes afraid that they wouldn't come back. Like, they would get oh, mad yeah. and not come back to film the death scene. So I'm like, yeah, film it when they first get to the show, because what if they get mad and quit or something? You <laughs> yeah. have to have the footage of them dying, or else it's going to be like, they just disappeared, like Pinche. <laughs> Tee. <laughs> Tyler writes, Hi. My name is Tyler, and I'm writing y'all from... Hi, Tyler. <laughs> Good morning, America. Good morning, Tyler. <laughs> from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Good morning. As a listener of this podcast, I know y'all love, capital L-O-V-E, love, to make a reference. And I was obsessed with the Teletubby Toilet Bowl reference this episode. I was very disappointed, however, that none of the season five competitors seemed to get the reference. Did they really have no reaction to it, or was it maybe just edited out? Because if it were me, I would have been gagged and probably quoting Kendra the rest of the day. I mean, this was awesome. And this is why I say this before. I love us. We're not scared to do stupid. And this is stupid. And it's amazing. <laughs> like, in the best way possible. And we love, like, a self-referencing moment. Yeah. Like, not tonight. And, like, you know, Toilet Bowl. And, you know, Hummus of the Fungus, I'm sure, is going to be in there. <laughs> and who knows what else we'll discover this season. I do think some of the competitors recognize the reference. Maybe we didn't see it, like, on screen. I think that they were more preoccupied about the idea that, like, what does Wait, it mean? Wait, yeah, yeah, what, like, what, what is happening? Like a toilet, a curse. Like I could be cursed. Like what does that mean? And I think that just like overrode all of their instincts. They didn't give a shit about Kendra. They were like, what's going to happen to me? But what about me? 100%. You could see it in their face. They were like, what? what, 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 what? They're thinking like, what does it mean? Toilet bowl? So, right. Did you yeah. like the what? The huh? Mm-hmm. Toilet bowl. All right, that's all the time we have for questions today. But if you do have questions about any of the episodes that we have recapped, please write in to creatures at bladebrothersdragula.com and ask us your questions and we will answer them on air. Be sure to join us again in seven days for the next episode of Postmortem of the Belay Brothers Dragula Season 5, Episode 4. 
And remember to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to the podcast. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre.